Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the way that you have watched over us during this time. We thank you for the way that you're going to continue to do so because we know that you have promised to take care of us. We know that, that you will never leave us hanging, uh, that you are always there for us. You are always right on time and you always fulfill your promises to us. So Lord, we give you thanks and praise and glory for that today. Lord, as I heard our congregation singing out in the parking lot a few minutes ago, what a wonderful and joyful sound that was. And even if we, we don't get a chance to sing your praises today, uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would hear the praises of our hearts, that you would find what we have to offer you in terms of our gratitude and love for you would be acceptable in your sight. And so, Father, uh, we ask that you would open our hearts. We ask that you would... Uh, help us to understand you and your word better today, that we might grow to maturity in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, to you belong all glory and honor and praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, speaking of how our God takes care of us and loves us and cares for us, we're going to be talking about friendship today from Proverbs. Friendship, and not only that we are God's friends, but he is our friend, and also how we can be friends uh, to one another and to the world around us. And so our scripture reading today is from John 15, beginning in verse 12. These are the words of Christ as he prepares his disciples for his departure. So these are very important words for us to hear. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. The word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his word. In our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. 17, 17 in the book of Proverbs. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Who comes to your mind when I say the word friend? Friend. I think it's fair to say that, that probably all of us have friends, certainly. But who is the person you would call your best friend? Who is the person who has loved you even when you're unlovable? Uh, the, the person who has stood by you through difficult times and who's proven their love for you over and over again in the way that they constantly care for you. For me, the, the answer to that question is pretty easy. That's my wife, Leslie, uh, because she has done all of those things and more through almost 32 years of marriage. And I, I hope like crazy that she can say the same thing about me. But this isn't about whether we're married or not. Uh, because anybody can be our best friend. Most likely, we all have somebody, that person that we can count on for things, uh, that person who will be with us and be by our side no matter what. 
And so today, as we carry on in our series in Proverbs called Walk in the Way of Wisdom, we're going to go a little deeper in our understanding of friendship. So far in Proverbs, we have laid the groundwork, of course, for wisdom in the first nine chapters. That's what they were all about. And the basic idea of those nine chapters is that wisdom is rooted in our reverential fear and awe and profound respect of God. And then beginning in chapter 10, we have dived into this this wonderful, fascinating conglomeration of hundreds of individual proverbs on a huge variety of subjects, and they're all mixed together in this, this delightful jumble. And then out of that seeming pandemonium, though, we've begun to see that there's order in that chaos, that as the proverbs address our lives, there is a great consistency with what the rest of the Bible teaches us about who God calls us to be. And that's been evident so far as we have dived into this, this, this beautiful chaos. Uh, we have contemplated uh, how the fear of the Lord is the foundation for the family in chapter 14. We have meditated on God's overseeing hand and the plans that we make in chapter 16. And then we've also considered our calling to be men and women of integrity in chapter 10, verse 9. And so today, the Proverbs are turning our attention to friendship. Now, we're not going to look at friendship the way that the world does. We're not going to look at friendship in the worldly sense, but in the context of our faith in God. Now, what I mean by worldly friendship is something we're all familiar with. Uh, This is the idea that friendship is based on feelings or common interests or an agreement on political issues or whatever the case may be. And certainly those things play a role in our friendships. But if our friendships are based on those things, we find that our friendships are conditional. Because if you don't believe the same thing that I believe, if you don't understand things the way that I do, uh, if we don't uh, have a common interest, then, well, we're not going to become friends. But you see, in the context of our faith in God, namely, since God has established a loving relationship with us, Friendship takes on a a whole new, uh, much more powerful and profound meaning and role in our lives and for those around us too. We form friendship with other people as believers, as followers of Christ, as lovers of God, as friends of God, because we are friends of God. That's why we form friendships. Our friendship extends not only to fellow believers, but also uh, even to those who don't know Christ. And why is that? Well, it's because of the nature of the bonds that we form with others reflects the friendship that God has forged with us. And this is what we're going to see today. And that, that relationship that God forged with us began with Abraham and Moses, his friends, And then, of course, it culminated in the life and death and friendship that Christ hammered out for us as he was nailed to the cross. So this means that friendship is a whole lot more than than a feeling or or a shared interest. It's those things, too. But that isn't what our friendship is based on. What this means is that friendship is a verb. 
Just as love is a verb in Scripture, we probably all heard that lesson, that love is something we do. Friendship is the same thing. Friendship is a verb. Now, clearly, I say that facetiously. I'm not kind of trying to change the, the grammar of the English language. It's clearly a noun, right? But the point is that friendship is something that we do. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an idea. We don't just like somebody on Facebook and call them friends, do we? There's a whole lot more to it. And so this is what we're going to see today as we examine the, the idea that friendship is a verb. We're going to see two things that are laid out in our verse. First, friends love all the time. The love never stops. We love all the time as godly friends. Secondly, godly friends stand together through thick and thin. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad things get, friends are there with us through thick and thin. And so allow me to read Proverbs 17, 17. It's a very short verse, uh, but it's packed, of course, with a whole lot of meaning as every sentence in the Word of God is. And so this is the Word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 17, 17. <clears throat> A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. May God once again bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his word. And so let, let's now take a look at the first thing that friends do, according to our verse. Friends love all the time. Now, the, the, the Hebrew word for friend here is ria. A Rhea is a personal friend. This is someone you know well, somebody with whom you can share your, your even private matters, somebody who is really close to you. A Rhea is, is someone you can share an intimate and loving relationship with in a platonic kind of way. Now, the reason I bring up loving, the, the, the loving nature of friendship is because you cannot speak of biblical friendship without bringing up love. Love is like the fuel that powers the engine of friendship. Without selfless, compassionate love, relationships become self-serving, an orgy of self-love, a matter of convenience and profit for yourself. And so a friendship with, with, without the fuel of love is, is dead in the water. It's not really a friendship, and it can't go anywhere. And so in this state of mind where, where friendship is for yourself, it really kind of comes beca becomes a, a business transaction, doesn't it? And really what our attitude is, is what can I gain from this friendship? How is it going to help me? How is it going to make my life better? Now, we all, I think we all know people who think this way, and it's, it's a painful thing when we realize it, that the only reason that they've befriended us is because of what they think we can do for them. And people like that will use you until you're used up. And there ends up being a lot of hurt and pain involved. Now, it is true, of course, that we need to be careful of relationships with people who drag us away from God, most especially. Proverbs 22, verses 24, 25 uh, say this. Make no friendship, that is, don't associate with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Why? Lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. 
But when we learn to live, to, to live and to, to uh, build godly friendships in a, in a godly way, we can have fruitful relationships with anybody, whether they know God or not. The reason is that the goal of friendship that Proverbs and the rest of, of, of all Scripture, the, 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 the kind of friendship that Scripture advocates is friendship that is more fruitful for the other person than for ourselves. According to Paul, godly friendship always puts the other person first. And here's how. First Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then in Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Romans 14.19 So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Mutual upbuilding. You see, this, this desire to build up extends even to those who persecute us for our faith. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Now that shame is not intended to kind of put them in their place and keep them there. No. The whole purpose of, of putting them to shame in this sense and the whole person of, uh, purpose of gentleness and respect and a good conscience here is so that even those who revile Christ might experience the greatest good, the greatest blessing that, could, that they could ever possibly experience. And that is the opportunity to come to know and experience Jesus Christ. And they need to be able to experience Him without our sin clouding their understanding of who he is. You see, true friendship benefits even those who reject Christ. And the way that we practice our faith and the way that we explain ourselves has a lot to do with winning them for Jesus Christ. And so this is the kind of upbuilding friendship that the Lord also shared with Moses on Mount Sinai as he gave him the law. Exodus 33:11 says, "Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend." Can't you just feel the intimacy of that relationship? It's a beautiful thing. This is describing, of course, the friendship of the Almighty God with his prophet. But we can have, through Christ, the same kind of relationship with God. And through that relationship, that kind of friendship with God, uh, by way of example, there are several things that follow from it if we are to be imitators of God as we are called to be. A true friend is near. That is, he or she is present in our lives, face to face whenever possible. Uh, but even in this time of the virus and having to, to uh, meet people uh, face to face, but two-dimensionally, uh, we can still be their friend. 
Because your friend is in your life and you are in theirs too. A true friend also exhibits the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I got them all. I'm not sure. But a true friend lends his ear. And he also bends your ear too. A true friend speaks truth into your life. And he or she uh, lends a shoulder to cry on or leans on yours. And what motivates that godly kind of friendship is love. Love the verb, not simply feelings, not simply I like somebody, but love is a verb. Love is action born of compassion and affection and faithfulness and self-sacrifice all rolled into one. And I think Paul describes it uh, most beautifully for us in this famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Here is that fuel that powers the engine of true friendship. Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Those are powerful words, aren't they? Well, this is the kind of loving relationship that Jonathan had for David. You remember Jonathan? He was the son of Saul. Uh, he befriended David in spite of his father's growing hatred of David. And long story short, Jonathan refuses, even when his father tells him to do so, he refuses to kill his friend David. Instead, Jonathan warns and protects David from Saul. You see, this is love in action. This is friendship the verb. He actually takes action for his friend. And so in the greatest moment of, of danger, when Saul is truly out for David's blood, David stands by his friend. He cares more about the life of God's anointed one than his own life. And he does so because he himself is God's friend. And so 1 Samuel 20 verse 17 describes their friendship like this. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. He loved him as he loved his own soul. That's true friendship, isn't it? And that sounds awfully familiar too, doesn't it? Something like love your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus 19 verse 18. This is the second greatest commandment according to Christ. Second only to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But you see, loving your neighbor as yourself is what a true friend does. Again, it's something we do. And so J Jonathan loved David actively and at all times, as Proverbs 17, 17 declares. 
He loved him even when there was grave danger, when it would be a whole lot safer for Jonathan to turn away. He did not turn away. His love for David was not conditional. It wasn't based on circumstances. It wasn't based solely on his feelings. His love for David reflected God's faithfulness. And so godly friends love all the time. Friends don't turn away when the going gets tough. And that's what brings us to the second fact of this passage, that friends stand together through thick and thin. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Well, in Hebrew, brother is used synonymously here with friend. And we do the same thing in English. Uh, Most basically, of course, a brother or a sister. This includes uh, sisters as well. Uh, a brother or a sister is your kin. You share the same parents, the same DNA, and, and uh, many of the same physical and emotional uh, features that you wish you didn't inherit, but there they are, and you've got them. But a lot of good things too, I hope and pray. But in a perfect world, a biological brother or sister is somebody who's got your back all the time. They, 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 their love for you is evident. And, and it's all simply because of that, that built-in loyalty and devotion and, and love that comes with family. That's the way it ought to be at any rate. But we also think of brotherhood or sisterhood in other ways, just as the ancient Hebrews did. We, th- we think of, of brotherhood as also a deep bond of friendship that comes with shared experiences. And so as we learn and grow in wisdom that's rooted in the reverent fear of God, wisdom is personified like this in Proverbs 7, 4. It says, as, as, uh, as if we can have a, a real relationship with wisdom. This is how wisdom is personified. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. And then at the same time, in Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so this brotherhood type of friendship is something that goes even deeper than uh, friends that are more acquaintances than anything else. This is the kind of bond... uh, uh, that is, is something that anyone who's been in the military has experienced and understands uh, far better than most of the rest of us. I think the, the movie, the, uh, the Band of Brothers, the true story of, of Easy Company in World War II, these soldiers who were citizen soldiers who were drafted and drawn together from all over the United States to, to fight against Nazi Germany. And, and through their rigor, rigors of training and, and then combat, the soldiers form an incredibly deep and lifelong bond with each other, a bond that surpasses many of, of even some of our deepest friendships by leaps and bounds. They became family. They became brothers in that sense because they fought the good fight side by side and they even died for each other. Yesterday marks the... 76th year since they landed in France on D-Day. And so they became brothers as they faced a deadly adversity. And that's not unlike the kind of adversity that we're beginning to face as friends of God in our culture. 
In fact, in some parts of the world, uh, friends of God are being executed because they are God's friends. In North Korea right now, there are Christians right now at this moment in prison camps who are there because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They are in prison camps secretly meeting by pairs in the latrine so that they can whisper their worship of God, whisper encouragement to each other because this is the only place they can go without getting caught, but they refuse, they refuse not to worship together. And they understand the bond of Christian friendship that is so necessary for our lives. These are people who have very little hope of physical freedom or physical comfort, and yet they are free in Christ indeed, are they not? And then as we we see the changes that are happening happening around us in our own culture, we're becoming more and more aware of real hardships to come. Public opinion is becoming more and more hostile to Christ. And that is going to have more and more of an impact on our lives as followers of Christ. God is using this time to forge us into a band of brothers and sisters who build each other up, who are faithful to one another, Because we are faithful friends of God no matter what. Because we were born for adversity. We were born for adversity so that in our friendships and in the conduct of our lives, we can glorify our great God. You know, being apart during the coronavirus crisis has certainly challenged our friendships. We we long for three-dimensional fellowship. Uh, We're tired of seeing each other in two dimensions. But all of this speaks uh, to our our hunger, our great hunger for fellowship. And and that's because we need each other so much. But of course, our friend God himself sustains us and nurtures us and helps us to endure until we can meet again fully and have a full sanctuary and full fellowship as we had a couple months ago. But meanwhile, this world is becoming an increasingly hostile world. We are learning, as as Peter said, we are learning to be be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And we are learning to do so with gentleness and respect, even in the midst of adversity, and to do so with a clear conscience as we learn to behave more and more like Christ. But brothers and sisters, adversity isn't always from the outside, is it? Sometimes adversity can come from within us. Sometimes we realize our own sin. And through our godly friendships, uh, that is one of the tools that God uses to help us to realize our sin, along with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, this was certainly the case with King David's sin. He needed a friend like Jonathan and also Nathan. A man who had the guts to speak the truth into David when he needed to hear it. You see, Nathan was sent by God. Nathan, therefore, had the courage to confront David at a time when he was was not very lovable at all and he was acting despicably. David had committed adultery and murder for his own pleasure. But Nathan did not abandon David, did he? Or God. 
and he spoke God's truth to him. He caused David to realize the evil that he had done. And so speaking on behalf of the Lord, Nathan implores David with a penetrating question. 2 Samuel 12, 9. Why have you despised the word of God to do what is evil in his sight? Well, I think sometimes we do what is evil in God's sight because we despise the word of God so much that we plug up our ears, we plug up our hearts to what God's truth is. And so sometimes this is a penetrating question for us. It was for King David. And it brought him to his knees and brought him to a place of true repentance. This is a question that we've got to answer too at times. But unfortunately, sometimes we even try to ignore the question. Or we ignore what is plainly obvious in front of us. And in the case of current events today we ignore the pain of our friends our brothers and sisters even as they try to tell us the cause of their pain this is exactly why yesterday's stand together warrant and rally was so significant for the first time in my memory since i've moved here 32 years ago on a huge scale in warrenton black people and white people and people of other ethnicities peacefully stood in unity to cry out for equal justice under the law. That's a godly thing to do. God is a God of justice and righteousness and holiness. And when we see His righteousness violated, we should stand up and be counted. Now, of course, we despise all the violence that's occurred during the protests nationwide. But most importantly, we despise the violence that was perpetrated against men like George Floyd. God, by God's mercy, the violence in the protest is waning. And now the real issue of injustice is finally becoming the center of attention. As, even as men and women of God are praying for healing and unity and justice. And our event certainly was bathed in prayer. As our own Pastor John and about nine or ten other clergy prayed for justice and peace. For godly justice and peace. I'm not making a political statement here. I'm making a biblical statement. God is the God of justice. What I'm saying is, is that for so long, our brothers and sisters of color have tried to make their voices heard. And yet people who look like me, either through ignorance or malice, have chosen not to believe them. We haven't been a good friend, have we, to our brothers and sisters? And so what a joy it was for me to see yesterday that, that our brothers and sisters of color are finally being heard. And that that happened as men and women of God stood up to be counted and to say that God's justice should prevail in our land. And you see... That was a beautiful demonstration of what true friendship is, of friendship the verb in action, to stand with our brothers and sisters, to stand with our friends in their time of adversity. 
Proverbs 21.15 says that when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoers. Being a true friend means that we learn to do good. We seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Brothers and sisters, those aren't my words. Those are Isaiah's words as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah verse 17 of chapter 1. And so we are called to learn and to seek and correct, to bring justice and to plead. We are called to do, brothers and sisters. And this is exactly why friendship is a verb. Friendship doesn't just give lip service to what's true and right, but friendship makes us stand for righteousness even when it's hard, even when it's unpopular, even when your friend might even be unlovable. They've done something awful like King David did. Whatever the case may be, we are called to be loyal friends, friends who stand for justice and who bring peace to their lives. But just as a side note, I I, I want you to, to begin to understand the scale and the very presence of evil in our own town. I heard yesterday that there are some stores in town that were threatened with boycott if they supported the rally. They were threatened with boycott. Injustice is right here in Warrenton too, brothers and sisters. And our friends of color have lived with it their whole lives. Let's stand up and be counted by learning to do good, by seeking justice, correcting oppression, and bringing justice to the fatherless, and pleading the widow's cause. Isn't this exactly what Christ did for us? He didn't have to learn to do good, of course, since he was already good. But brothers and sisters, he did good, not only to his own, but also to those who rejected them. He corrected oppression by defeating the evil one. We were made orphans by our sin. We could not know our Father, but Jesus Christ did something about it. He reconciled us to our Father, and His blood pleads with the Father right now on our behalf. And so God the Father looks at His righteousness instead of our sin as He looks upon us. You see, Christ understood that true friendship is a verb. He practiced it at all times. He practiced love at all times. He stood by his elect through thick and thin. John 15, beginning in verse 12, this is the passage we read earlier. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples as he prepares them for his departure. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, love is the fuel that powers the engine of our friendship. And so let me ask you, is godly love what powers your friendships so that other people profit from knowing you? Jesus again, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Well, Jesus did exactly that, didn't he? He gave his own life for us so that we might live. Are we willing to give our lives for the sake of our friends? Let's let's not make it hypothetical. Do we give our lives for the sake of our friends? 
Verse 14, you are my friend if you do what I command you. Friendship is a verb. We do what God tells us. That's the test of whether we're his friend. And so what are we commanded to do? We're commanded to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. We're commanded to treat others with gentleness and respect, no matter who they are. We're even commanded to stand up for justice and even to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, just like the band of brothers did for each other. Is that who you and I are? Are we that kind of friend? And then verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. In other words, brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, we're not just the hired help, but we've been entrusted with the most important message ever in the history of the universe since God created it. And that is uh, the message of the gospel. And so Christ declares his disciples and us, sinners though we are, to be his friends by virtue of his love. A love that he made manifest in his death on our behalf, as it says in verse 13. And our obedience, brothers and sisters, to him proclaims that love. He is passing the torch to us to proclaim his gospel to the world. And one of the main ways we do that is by learning to be a godly friend who loves all the time and who is steadfast, who always stands with friends in adversity when it means that we can also stand up for God. Let's pray. And let's pray not only that God would use the message of His Word to penetrate our own hearts, to change us if change needs to happen, but let's also spend a few minutes and and pray for our congregation and pray for the situation that we're in. There are a few needs in the congregation that we need to pray for. Uh, you can add your own wherever you are uh, as we pray. But let's bow in reverence before God because He is our Maker. He is our Creator. And He is our friend. Holy and gracious God, our truest friend, friend above all friends, we thank You and praise You for what you have done for us, for the, for the proof of your friendship to us in how you always keep your promises to us, in how you always love us. In fact, you loved us <clears throat> even when we were your enemies. You loved us even when we hated you. And you are steadfast by our side all of the time, even when things get tough even when we feel dry spiritually, even when bad things are happening in our lives, we know that you are there. We have confidence that you are because you have promised never to leave us or forsake us. And so we give you praise and honor and glory for that. Now, Father, we pray for our country. There is so much division right now. There is uh, so much violence and vile behavior. Uh, so, Father, we, we lift up our country to you and pray that you would bring uh, unity and peace. And yet at the same time, Lord, you have called us to stand for justice. 
And sometimes doing that means that people will hate us. But Father, let our love for you be greater than our fear of our foes. Father, help us to to be godly friends to our neighbors. Help us to to, uh, speak into each other's lives. Speak your truth, your gospel. Speak peace and unity uh, to those around us, no matter who they are. Let us be, Lord, part of the solution, part of your solution to the troubles in our country. Father, uh, we, we pray for continued patience as we slowly reopen uh, not only our community, but this community of believers, this fellowship of believers here at WBF. We pray that you would give us patience, that you would teach us patience. We pray, Father, that you would help us to endure, help us to, to uh, uh, endure this time of seeing each other only two-dimensionally or not at all, and help us to to uh, one day uh, be so joyful when we can see each other and meet again and hold each other's hands and sing your praises together. Father, we pray that you would give our elders wisdom and discernment as they consider all of the issues that need to be dealt with as we reopen our church. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, for, for a few people in our congregation and and uh, we, we pray especially for healing for Linda uh, as she's in the hospital with pancreatitis again caused by medication issues. And so, Father, we thank you for the wisdom of the doctors who are taking care of her. And we pray, Lord, that you would watch over her and heal her quickly and that you would watch over Richard as he ministers to her. And uh, we thank you for their love for you and pray that you would uh, that you would. Give them a joy and a peace in the midst of this crisis. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for what you've done in Stephanie's life with her new job. We praise you for that and how it's an answer uh, to to every prayer that she's had uh, for uh, needing a new job. Uh, Father, we lift up Amanda to you as she looks for a new job. We pray for guidance and wisdom and discernment. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, minister to her. Uh, because this is an uncertain time for her. And so, Father, we pray that through our friendships with her, uh, that you would give her confidence and give her the assurance that you are there and that you are, are in the midst of her life and that you are planning her steps as she goes forward. And, Father, we, we lift up, uh, as we've raised medical issues and 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 life issues. Uh, We lift up all of those in our congregation. Some are struggling financially. Uh, Some are are looking for new jobs. Some have lost jobs. Uh, Some are are, uh, are going ahead with with the job that they have. So Father, we we pray that you would watch over all of us in our jobs. And Lord, we pray uh, too for healing for many people in our congregation. We lift up Rose Torres as well and pray that, that you would bring healing to her body. Uh, that you would guide the doctors and nurses as they minister to her and that uh, they would find a way to, to remove the cancer from her body. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of technology and knowledge that allows us for that even to be a, uh, a possibility. But Father, we depend on you ultimately because we know that you are the great physician. And so, dear God, uh, we give you honor and praise this morning. We thank you for who you are. 
We thank you that you are the God who hears our prayers. We thank you that you are a holy God. We thank you that you are the God who gives us peace. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We thank you for your friendship. We pray all of this in the glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And so, brothers and sisters, as we close our service now, let's go ahead and turn to our verse once again uh, as our benediction. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Amen and amen. Go in peace, and I look forward to seeing at least some of you next week as we gather for worship here at WBF. To God be the glory. Amen.